This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, sponsored by Soundring. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit Harry's.com and use the promo code BCPOD to save $5 off of your first purchase. Today's show is sponsored by Prosper. Prosper is the better way to get the cash that you need at a low interest rate. You can use Prosper to pay off your high-interest credit cards, fix up your home, or even take a vacation. To check your low rate instantly without affecting your good credit score, head over to prosper.com forward slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, turkeys? Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we still got Thanksgiving. Can we still do that? Is it uh, is that under attack yet? Eventually, I imagine we won't be able to celebrate Thanksgiving either. But in the meantime, we can. And the, you know, the the thing about Thanksgiving is you have the, the turkey day, and then you have Friday off, and then you have Saturday off, and then Sunday. And so we pack a bunch of those shopping things in there. Did you hear about REI? They're doing for Black Friday instead of opening their doors. They told everybody to go out in the wilderness instead of go shopping. I think that is tremendous. I really do. I think it's great. So what my family and I are going to do is we're going to load up the car or get you know some boots and backpacks and snacks and stuff. But I'm also taking my iPad, iPhone. Bridget's uh, Surface Pro and a Wi-Fi hotspot, and that way we can do all of our uh, uh, Black Friday shopping online while we're out at the park, while we go up hiking and stuff like that. So I think that's a great idea, and so I want you guys to do the same. Here's the great news, badchristian.com store, all the music, all the everything on sale, 15% off, 15% off all the bands. You can get Pacific Gold's vinyl, Emory vinyl, t-shirts, music, digital downloads. It's all going to be 15% off. Also, Emory's got a Christmas sweater that I really think is fun, maybe even funny, maybe cheeky. I think you're really going to like it. So, you know, we don't have a real store anyway. We're all online. So when you're sitting across from your aunt and you don't want to talk to her, just get on your tablet. Go buy stuff from us. Just listen to the podcast. Put your earphones in when you're at Thanksgiving dinner. I'm, I urge you, stay connected. Don't disconnect. Don't separate. Stay plugged in. Stay digital. Stay with us. That's that's important. We're your community, right? Me and Toby and Joey are friends, right? You don't want to unplug from us. Don't go away for the weekend. Please download the episodes. You can do it. What has your family ever done for you? Nothing. They've never done not, not a thing. They're all in it for themselves. I'm here for you. Our store is here for you. All right. Thanks, turkeys. Here we go. Joey, can you handle this? Matt. I don't. Can you handle this? You know it. Toby, can you handle this? I don't think we can handle this. Go ahead, Joey. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't. Oh, forget it's the big Christian boy. M to the efforts. Right? Did you just say M to the efforts? Well, I didn't want to say the bad word. Yeah, because you, right. I mean, I know people think our cuss lines are extremely arbitrary, and they very much are. I mean, they really are. When I'm the uh, most difficult time is when I'm doing the intro to the show, and I like to toss out a nickname. It's so many, so often do I just want to say, <laughs> it would be so easy to come up with just amazing ones if I could say the F word and more slanderous <laughs> and sexual stuff there, but I just don't, I mean, that's just my personal line. I think it can fit in context in the show, but when I'm making those, the intro there, it, I right. just, it makes me personally uncomfortable 
to call, you know, say something overly vulgar or whatever at the very front. But I feel like it'd be effective, and I'm always torn between it. But that's my personal line. However, later I may say the F word, but I got to get rolling first a little while. That's all. <laughs> Joey loves saying the most filthiest thing in the moment, yeah. but then regrets it ungodly amounts. Hey, can you please take like, out that four and a half minutes where I only said the F word and a bunch of mean stuff? <laughs> Like yeah. every podcast, I, I want our listeners yeah, yeah, to know. That's really funny that I've never said that. I want our listeners you know, to that know. Twenty minute rant that was like super racist. Could you pull that out? <laughs> hey, come on now. If it wasn't for I'm Matt, defend yeah, that this, one every time. This couldn't get a triple X rating. I mean, it'd be unbelievable. This is NC seventeen. You couldn't listen to this thing if Matt didn't edit Joey. It's unbelievable. You guys are making me uncomfortable, Joey. Okay. How are you hanging in there um, without me being in the office? Like, is it has it been a struggle? It's been a breath of fresh air. That doesn't, I don't sure. think that's true because you always send me texts like, hey man, just thinking of you. I love you. Wish you were here. Miss you so much. Can't wait till you get back. Do you need a massage? What are the good sides of Toby being gone? I get a Zero. lot more done. Do you um, actually get more done? Because he's way more, way more focused, yep. way more <laughs> peace of mind. The office smells a lot better. Uh uh-uh. uh. Toby no. is a great distractor. That's that's for sure. I'm with you on that. Joey's yeah. the great distractor. I promise you. You know how many times I'm sitting there doing my work and he goes, Toby, Toby, <laughs> Toby. What do you think about the Packers? You think they have a chance? It's unbelievable. Toby, Toby, come in my office. Like Toby. Like during a counseling session, he'll knock on the door and come in and say, what about fourth down last week? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but Joey. So what do y'all, go ahead. So what do y'all think? They're going to do it? So y'all, y'all are worried about Carolina and North Carolina for Clemson. Yeah, yeah, I'm worried about the Tigers, but not. I mean, I don't know. It's. I mean, here, here's the thing: is at the beginning of the year, if we were told, "Hey, Clemson's going to win ten games," all of us would be like, "Sweet." Now we're now we're spoiled, and we're like, "No, we want it all. We want number one in the nation at the end of the year." But if if we would have been told that we would beat ten teams on our schedule, we'd be like, "Wow, that's awesome!" Because that's got to include. Yeah. Some tough teams there. No, yeah, we're in good shape. I put it that way. I'm excited. I hate where the Packers are, but I'm very excited about Clemson, but super scared constantly. When I watch them, even when we play Wake Forest, I'm just scared to death. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just any every single person wants to beat you, and I'm just so worried. If we don't win the whole thing, will y'all be happy if we make it at least to the playoffs? Like if oh, we go yeah. undefeated, I'm satisfied if we make it to. The I think playoffs. if we can make it to, if we can beat North Carolina and South Carolina. I think I can be happy yeah, no matter I'm happy what. That, that, that's a sure. great season. I, I feel the same way. Yeah, I definitely feel the same. But I hate that I feel that way. I wish I could just be happy right now. Yeah. Okay, hey, I love where this is going, guys, but hold on one second. Yeah. Let's take a moment and just talk about one of our sponsors that we love, Harry's. Yeah, and I have to say this, too. I've you know been using Harry's ever since we've been advertising it. Dude. I've been using the same blade to shave my ball head for like the last couple months. That's crazy, man. I, know. I mean, that the longevity longevity of these blades is just I've never experienced that before. And I obviously not just saying that. I cannot believe I'm using the same blade for my head. I, I know the quality is unbelievable. And here's what's really cool. Just the other day, one of my friends, Mike, he asked me. He said, Toby. Are you doing anything for Movember? Because, you know, I'm kind of a beard guy and all this stuff. Yeah. I said, you know, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it, but here's what's really cool. Movember is that month where, you know, guys, they grow mustaches, I guess, and, and facial hair to raise awareness and money for, like, men's health issues, which right. I think, honestly, 
is way on the low on, low on the totem pole. Men's health, a lot of people don't care right. about. <laughs> and I'm still on the fence about it myself. But that reminds me, whether or not you do Movember or not, you should check out Harry's, the official razor partner of Movember, because they're doing a lot of really cool stuff. And it's going to be a neat month. And it's, this month's almost over. So you better get on it right now. So here's what we want to tell you guys. Go to harrys.com right now. And as a special offer for all of you guys listening and ladies listening, Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with code BCPOD. That's harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter the code BCPOD. Yeah, and with that code and that $5 off, you get the whole starter kit for $10. And that's, that's the awesome, neat razor handle, which is really cool and a bunch of different colors you can get. Then the three blades three of them and i already told you how long mine's lasting the shaving cream foaming shave uh foaming shave gel uh delivered right to your door got to do it so tell me where do they go again you can go to harrys.com forward slash bc pie we could talk about harry's forever let's get back to it guys all right so joey i haven't talked to you about this but uh let's what do you you have any thoughts and i'm this is a broad silly segue i realize as i'm saying that but i don't really know a good way to get into talking about the terrorist attack and y'all's thoughts on terrorism Uh, i know are you for it are you against it (laughs) terrorism what do you feel i'm I'm not anti-terrorism okay good well then we're unanimous on that so i guess we've covered that topic yeah but i did i did i spoke at a panel last night and I thought somebody made a really good point on just how challenging it is not to dehumanize terrorists. Like we just think of them as miserable pieces of shit going around killing innocent people. And these are actual people that Jesus died for. And that's a tough one, man. Yeah, that's definitely a tough one. But hey, tell me this. If y'all heard gunshots right now outside your bus and there were some and one of y'all was carrying a pistol, and you looked outside, and you knew it was ISIS killing a bunch of innocent people. Would y'all start aiming at the ISIS people and shooting them? If I saw people shooting, yeah, you probably yeah, ISIS ISIS people are killing people. How do you know you who the gun. ISIS people are? Well, like, they we, have signs. They have big well, signs. We are ISIS. That's so quite a you, hypothetical there. But anybody that was killing people with guns, and you have a gun, you probably have some responsibility to try to stop it, however you can. Yeah. So regardless of Even whether it was it, ISIS or not. Well, I mean, there's a lot of Christian guests that we've had on our show that would well, disagree. It's not that common sense. I mean, well, it's not well, here's that one interesting obvious. take uh, that is actually happening. There is a debate right now between Matt's wife and Matt's mom. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that wow. yet. Wow. Lucky you, Matt. Are you, are you okay if I read this? <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Or you think you'll get, you will you get in trouble with your wife or your mother? No, hell, well, so who cares? All right, so Bridget... <laughs> Bridget Moira Carter writes this on oh, Facebook. You didn't say her middle name, damn it. <laughs> That's what, Come on. You got to say it in a nasally voice. <laughs> uh, actually, actually um, that, I think she'd be kind of mad if I read this. Uh, this is what Bridget writes. Be upset, but all of you who, uh, who have given in to the Facebook image overlay to support Paris against ISIS, your opinion doesn't actually matter. Did I write this? It's crazy. Passive support is ridiculous. At least own up to the fact that you won't actually take action to support the cause. I won't either because I'm lazy and selfish. And the tears I felt reading about those killed at the concert, who would have easily been friends of my own, have made me feel only more guilty to call myself a Christian and still not be moved to take action. Something for myself to deal with. with. I'm just tired of seeing everyone else's social media BS for attention and likes. Ugh. Facebook can be the worst when real life is involved. P.S. Joey is fat. 
Oh, that yeah, last part, she, I don't understand. Sorry about weird. that. I don't, know. That's weird I don't even know why she didn't really need to say that. Well, I'll I tell you what. I don't know any wife who hasn't ended the Facebook rant with, I think I might be getting off Facebook. Oh, bro. man. That's the, <laughs> why, that's the wife's number one favorite thing. Yeah. I, this makes me Women sick. love to threaten to get off of Facebook. Oh, and you, man. you will know when I am gone. <laughs> I, I, will be, I will be long till Everyone, I, I am leaving. <laughs> no! <laughs> I will be leaving. I'm at a party, New Year's Eve party. I will be leaving soon, everybody. <laughs> All right. My wife's so funny. I love it. I actually thought it was really nice. Yeah. I thought what she said was great. I thought it was a little transparent, <laughs> uh, honest, open. Uh, I really thought She's it was She's saying good. essentially that putting the white, red, and blue overlay, I think it's funny she said giving into it. Like there's a, right. like it's a bad thing. Like, Every, everybody sees somebody I don't do it find it to it. be harmful, but I suppose what she's saying, not that I've talked to her, because I don't talk to her when I go on tour. Um, what she's saying, I'm assuming, is that it's just – an excuse it's a way to get out like not do anything and feel like you're doing something and look good for doing it so i find that distasteful too yeah I, to no, I, I'm, in, I'm in full agreement especially with the same people that have all these paris flags over their profile pic two years ago were saying no they're not french fries they're freedom fries freedom or whatever fries. five years ten years ago uh, so does saying, my mom you know, agree or disagree <laughs> so so she got some nice comments and then old jenny carter <laughs> chimes in <laughs> Bridget, I understand your frustration. I share it with you. But what do you suggest we do? It meant, <laughs> it meant something to us when the French said we are all Americans today after 9-11. I think the flag thing on Facebook is in the same spirit. It disturbs me greatly that 2.5 billion peace-loving Muslims are being painted with the same brush as a group of weird, hate-filled, apocalypse-preaching madmen and that people who call themselves Christians are filled with hate for innocent people, desperate people who need our help i have vowed to not remain silent in the face of injustice <laughs> i believe that if the german people have refused to remain silent had refused to remain silent and had had the character to ignore the nazi propaganda against the jews of the holocaust may never have happened having said that the bad guys are truly truly scary and it's hard to tell the good guys from the bad guys but please don't call yourself a christian and propagate hate these two things don't go together it isn't easy to love people you are scared of but that is the commandment it can get you in lots of trouble. In fact, it can cost you your life. Ask Jesus and Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Nevertheless, this is the cost of taking up the cross. Damn. So smart women. Jenny fired back. Then right uh, seconds later, Bridget, I sent that before I was finished writing and editing it. I'm certainly not talking about you here. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. And then Jenny goes on. She writes, talks to a few different people. One that was kind of interesting, this other guy. He writes, slacktivism only helps the slacktivist. And I thought, that, I thought that was pretty cool. And then uh, Jenny wrote, okay, I stand corrected. Thanks for the lesson. I promise to be a slacktivist no more. I mean it, really. Where's the proper place to stand up for justice? Talk is not good, only ec- action, question mark? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know any of that. All I know is the thing that freaks me out most about it is the general notion uh, i don't i don't care about any facebook stuff but i'm saying the general notion of what to do with this is a really interesting question because obviously there's everybody what you really see if you dig in facebook is a lot of you, there's a lot of hateful stuff and it's along the lines of let's get them no matter what yeah. what at what cost or at right. all costs and that one's freaky to me because honestly we kind of already are doing whatever we can right like we we kind of already have the tsa on a lot we already have taken away a lot of liberties and freedoms of Americans and people to, you know, like, it's not like we're not 
doing all we can. And guess what? It is still going to happen. So the big question to me, it's going to happen again. There's nothing you could do without really turning it into a police state that would ever, you know what I mean? Right. So it's not, it's going to continue to happen in our lifetime. It just will. So the question is, if we're going to just immediately go and start attacking them, or what people want is some action. And po- the politician will say, well, we're going to take big action now. We're going to go bomb this or do that. Well, you're just going to be killing other people. And and I, they just say that because that's what people want to feel like and, and say, I don't know if that will work or help. And the scariest thing to me is I, you'd have to say that's probably calculated by them. That's what they want right. us to do. Right. So they know attack like that causes a certain reaction. And then they're most likely our enemy, ISIS here, wants us to do a certain thing that will still help them. Yeah. So what it, what it, they don't mind if we go over there and bomb a bunch of their stuff and kill a bunch of civilians and some of them because they think it'll further galvanize other people to their side. Right. And then we'll have a worse problem. So just, I mean, think about it in this way. Should, should you do, if you know that that's what they wanted, should you do what your enemy wants you to do like right. are they not one step ahead of us on our like overreaction yeah, to it i, I kind of agree with you i think that's part of the the big thing is this it's the same thing as like westboro church wants to do something absurd and crazy of to course. get you talking and about you and be scared of it, it or think it, yeah and, and you, you fall into yeah, the they're, trap they're a step ahead of you there on that i would i would say for me i just like both both of your the women in your life yeah i i i really like their points i think they're both saying the same thing it's frustrating that we kind of fall into that and don't do anything this will be gone within two weeks you won't see any more french flags you yep. won't care Nothing will happen. And this is well, us. I'm talking about me right here, and I think that's true. I wish we could stop just buying into the the popular thing. Oh, yeah, I'll do this, and that's what it is, and, and then it's gone, yeah, and you don't think about it anymore. The question is, no matter what, say you're going to give your life to the cause, what would that even be? How would Who even knows what how what you are supposed to do here? Right. I mean, I don't, that's, I'm that's the like, question legitimately. Your mom, I don't, that's what your don't mom have asked. any idea. I, I think she's right. Like, yeah. what? What are we to do about ISIS? It's not like I'm. T- I mean, what is Toby taking laziness out of it? I, I think it's highly debatable, and maybe there's nothing good. You, there, I don't know if there is anything you can. We do. should bring Bridget on and see what I she don't thinks. Know. Well, I think the thing you do is we probably do put our efforts and say, "Hey, politicians, we have to do something." What? We I, have I, to do something. We have to get people out of there that we need to get out of there, and then I, I mean, like know. France went and immediately bombed it. I, that they seems like what eggs. ISIS wanted them to do to me. But I'm sure that so killed. So I think that, that might have been a wrong play. That that killed uh, probably a lot of citizens and people that weren't bad. Or and had therefore, to do with it. getting more people to join ISIS and hate France. Right, right. So, so they got what they wanted. Right. So that's my point. So what I we don't should know do, if that's what we ought to be doing. Well, we have to do something. I don't just know. let it go. You, so you say do nothing. I'm not that's sure. That's what we're doing I, right well, now. Well, Dan Carlin said something along the lines of that. It's like you you could do everything you can to reduce it, and we probably are. We're not not doing anything. What? What? And but, you can't, no, but I think I you mean, missed the point. What neutralizes stuff? The thing that neutralizes is love. Uh-huh. So why would we bomb somebody when we should okay. go over there and try to get people out of that country and right. then then kill the bad guys? Or maybe we uh, try to do other things besides just buying into the idea of we can't do anything. Yeah, that's well, not terrorism good either. isn't new, and it's always no. been effective, and it right. always will be. Oh, it's never going to go away. You're that, right. That just isn't going away. Is what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't try. Right. But it isn't going to. There's not. Well, there will be another hundred people killed in the world by terrorists. Oh, sure. Uh, that's no what matter, a lot of, that's no what, matter what action you take. People that, were killed all over the world, and people were like, why don't we have flags yeah. for And so Bridget and says, like well, we got to be careful. we got to be cautious, because, like, what if that, you know, and I'm saying, well, what would that mean? You don't go to concerts? You don't go in public? I mean, it, there's nothing, it, it's a, I don't mean that hopelessly, but in, on some level, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, someone told me yesterday that Charleston. But is, don't you hear that, Matt's though? wife, Bridget, don't you called hear and told that. him the same thing about that's, Seattle. That's, that's, still, that's still you buying into it and you buying into the fear and altering your behavior and worried about That's what they right. want is all I'm saying. That, that's the only point right. of that list is to have you say that. 
and then worry right. and then alter your behavior. And that, right. that's them winning. The same thing as an orange, red, green level threat level from, you know, yeah. it's the same I thing. Very, I mean, very confusing. That's crazy. I'm just saying it's not clear. Right. Hate more, bomb so more. I'm not p- being a pacifist either. I'm just saying it's, I don't know. So here's the million dollar question. Do you guys think that deep down inside the ISIS guys know that what they're doing is wrong or are they 100% some convinced do. that it's the right thing? Yeah, yeah I think some, some think do. it's that mo- the, uh, Sam Harris, who's really smart, uh, thinks that most of them that are the per- perpetrators are 100% full on believers and think well, everything they're doing is the only right thing possible. And they right. are 100% belief that as soon as they're martyred, they're going to get the ultimate reward, which is right. the only, so only their pure belief of it being the right thing is what we, would even allow somebody to commit such atrocity. So it is very right. much belief and right thinking and confidence in justice as they see it that, that actually is the only thing that can so allow the actual, for it. you're saying like an actual suicide bomber believes it, but, but right. maybe the high ups right. that don't I do suicide. also believe that power structures and people manipulate others with that. So power in itself is containing a lot of people that are manipulating for gain um, somewhere near the tops of these yeah. things typically. So yes, yeah. but... The people, most of the people that would be a jihadist or whatever are fully committed in believing that they're doing as right of a thing as when you help somebody in need and get them a hotel room or give them food. It's along those lines for them or more. They, th- they are fully committed and believe they're doing the right thing. I think the way we solve it is everybody right now on earth just pretends to be Islamic, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's that accomplished? <laughs> Then, yeah, then, you when, guys when are the, right. When the bad guys leave, you just go, oh, oh yeah, dude, I'm with you. Muhammad. Yeah, okay. And then when they leave, like, yeah, Jesus. Then <laughs> <laughs> nobody dies. Well, we got a military. We got somebody with military experience coming on, so we might could get a nugget Ooh. or two from him. We got cha- He's also a multi-time Super Bowl winning champion, and a, he was a fighter pilot, and the military guy, Chad Hennings. We'll be right back and talk to him. Joey, in today's economy, you know what's king? I'm going to guess not cash. Pizza. Not I'm pizza. Gonna, I'm going <laughs> to say money. You would be right. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. So instead of getting stuck with a high interest rate credit card, because you know how credit cards are. Yeah. I mean, some of them are, are seriously dangerous. Prosper's online marketplace connects people who need money with those who want to invest. And Where is this invest now? This you. is Prosper, right? This is Prosper.com. That's where you got to go, everybody. It's like Uber or Airbnb for borrowing money. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's cool. I, I, mean, I love you, forward thinkers that are, are doing those things, like just creating ways of how you can do things differently without the big boys. Well, you can use Prosper to borrow up to $35,000 in as few as five days. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's Imagine cool. walking into a bank and, and them trying to and trying to go through all the paperwork right. and hassle and all that stuff. It's crazy. With Prosper.com, you can borrow money for just about anything you want. You can pay off high-rate credit cards. You can fix up your house. I would like to do that, and I think I'm going to be doing that. Or even plan a vacation, which you know, God knows I need. My yeah. Lord, Joe, you need a vacation. Your yeah. hair's falling out. Yeah. Uh, Anything you want, it's your money. Prosper.com is the better way to get the cash you need at a low interest rate. Yeah, check your low rate instantly without affecting your good credit. You just go to prosper.com forward slash bad Christian. $35,000, man. That's crazy. They can go in your account as soon as five days. Isn't yeah, that crazy? so prosper.com forward slash bad Christian. Christian. Go now. Toby, you know I've been a tooth and nail fan for a long time. Yeah, I know. Long time. I remember those days. Since the womb. Yeah. I remember those days of ordering a tooth and nail disc through the mail and then not knowing how long it's going to take. When that package came in the mail, oh my gosh, it was so awesome. 
here's what's cool is there's a huge Black Friday sale this week uh, brought to you by none other than Tooth & Nail. All digital albums, $2.99. Every release from all your favorite bands. I mean, we're talking August Burns Red, Amberlynn, Norma Jean, Fit for King. So many awesome CDs and bands to choose from. Pick these records up. So when, when can they do this? Well, Joey, in case you were wondering... No, seriously, um, it starts midnight on Thanksgiving night and runs through the end of Cyber Monday, which I think is really cool. This is an amazing deal. I mean, seriously, $2.99 for some of the best CDs out there, best bands out there. I'm really stoked on this, and these are great stocking stuffers. You don't want to miss your chance right now to get some great music at the lowest prices, and you won't find these records for less than at any other re- re- retailer. I don't think your buddy Brandon Abel will mind me saying this. How are you going to stuff your stocking with a digital music? Oh, well, you just, you just tell people about it. Little car. So I got you this. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's so what I would do. I'm not buying a CD. Are you insane? <laughs> so, yeah, check out toothandnow.merchline.com uh, or solidstate.com. Dot merchline.com or BECrecordings.merchline.com. Start your Black Friday shopping from home, man. So, again, that's midnight on Thanksgiving night. Runs through the end of Cyber Monday. That's right. Plus, Joey, you didn't listen. Many of the non-music items will be 50% off also across oh, the entire store. I'm sorry. And there will be vinyl bundles for various releases on sale. That made me so excited. There are stocking stuffers. I had to beatbox, man. You make me mad. Let's just start at the beginning, too. I, I kind of want to hear a little bit about your story, Chad. Like, I, I was reading up on some of the stuff. It's interesting. So you joined the Air Force, at, at, right? At, do you join the Air Force, or did you just go to Air Force Academy? Well, I went to the Air Force Academy. I received a nomination out of high school to go there, you know, play college football there. I had the whole experience of the four years there. And then after that, I had you know, a minimum of a five-year military obligation. But I chose to up that to eight years because I wanted to fly jets. So playing in the NFL, you know, was really never really an option mm-hmm. for me. Um, but I served that commitment. I went through pilot training at Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls, Texas. Out of there, I received the assignment to fly the A-10, the Warthog, the Thunderbolt Two. Is that the one that has the uh, like the in the pictures of it, it has kind of like the mouth drawn on it and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like a big grasshopper. The whole plane was yeah. designed around a thirty millimeter Gatling gun called the Goward Avenger. It shot depleted uranium tip high explosive incendiary bullets. You know, you can shoot a tank four thousand rounds a minute, so you squeeze the trigger for a second. That's about a hundred rounds of depleted uranium coming out, and you can shoot a tank from over three miles away, you know, and penetrate, you know, up to two and a half inches of armor and immobilize or kill a tank with, with just the gun. So it, it was a phenomenal, it was a blast to fly. So the military and the NFL kind of go hand in hand a lot as far as there's a lot of analogies, but do you, fi- and I've heard some other people say, no, you are you should not compare the two, like to make the NFL sound like a team, like a war, make war analogies in the NFL. Cause no, it's a game. So you need to separate those two. How do you feel about that? Or do you think it's an apt analogy? You know, I, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I, I don't have heartburn with it, but because I think people can make the distinctions between the two. The analogies are, you know, they're, they're great because you're, you know, it is a battle, but it's not a life or death battle and you're not putting yourself in harm's way. Well, <laughs> I say that occasionally you can be depending yeah. upon up against two, 320 pound offensive linemen. It feels like you're putting yourself in harm's way. But um, but nobody's you know shooting at you and you're not uh, you know combat zone. But no, I I don't have any heartburn with people 
utilizing those metaphors and, and those analogies. Yeah. So Chad, and you're a Christian, right, as well? Yes, sir. Um, and so you do a lot of media. I heard, I saw you were on, or I heard that you're on Corolla's Take a Knee podcast. You did that recently. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Now, I'm not behind the paywall on that one, so I haven't heard it. But um, was that was that interesting? Do you get to talk about God with people like that? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, you do allude to that because it's who I am. I mean, when as a Christian, I firmly believe that you know one of our distinctions is to worship God and to make His name known, and to be you don't necessarily have to to, to beat the bushes with it, but you most certainly need to walk the walk. Uh-huh. And if it comes up in conversation, I mean, I speak to a lot of people both corporately as well as you know, faith-based messages. And, you know, if, it, if it's appropriate, you know, it, it, I do, but it's when you're talking about who I, who you, who you are as an individual, I think it's your identity. If you profess a belief in Christ, that's who you are. And that's what should uh, prevail. So were you able to do that on Corolla's podcast? I had mentioned, yeah, the aspects of God and identity and, and God and culture. Yes. Well, I'm sure he really liked you a lot, knowing how much he's into both uh, sports and airplanes. I bet he he liked that part of it, I bet. Yeah, you know, I had a chance. He, he owns, like, all of Paul Newman's racing cars. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to go through one of his warehouses and take a look at oh, man. those. It, it was really, he was a really good dude. He was really cool. That's great. Well, one thing I was going to ask, so you, you, you served. Did you serve in the Air Force eight years, or did you, don't, did you get out in five? And then, I did four years active yep. uh, with a regular commission. Then when I went to join the Cowboys, I resigned my regular commission, took a reserve commission. I was in the Air Force Reserves in for about another nine years. So, so what was that like? Did you just get the itch? Because like when you graduated uh, college, you thought, okay, I'm just going to be a fighter pilot. This is what I'm going to do. And football seemed like it was on the back of your mind. But what, what made you go, okay, I'm ready. I want to do this. Especially what, four or five years removed, were you able to keep in shape and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, back to your First question, it was tough for me. I Being an All-American, winning the Outland Trophy, um, having the quote-unquote accolades yeah. and, and being the competitive person that I am, I wanted to be able to see if I quote-unquote had the right stuff to play at the next level, at the professional level. But I knew from a character perspective, I knew if I wanted to continue to be the man that, that I was choosing to be, I needed to fulfill my commitment. So it was a difficult transition. And when I went through pilot training, it was only an hour and a half outside the Dallas Fort Worth area. So I would yeah. go to games on Sundays during the fall season. You know, it's back when the Cowboys weren't that good. They were one in 15 or whatnot, but, but it was, uh, it was a struggle mentally. And I, it took me a good probably year to get to the point where, you know, I wasn't going to play football and football was just not an option because of the commitment and, and I realized that, hey, flying jets is pretty cool. But during that whole time when I was deployed flying in the first Gulf War, when all you have the opportunity to do is basically, you know, fly, fight, and win, that we worked out a lot. So I was able to put on good weight, stayed in great shape. And when the opportunity came where they waived commitment, not just for me, but across the board for a lot of individuals during the downsizing in 92, Wow! Um, when our armed forces went through reduction force, I was then able to just kind of raise my hand and say, hey, I, I can go play for the Cowboys. What was it like leaving that military lifestyle, waking up, you know, at the crack of dawn, everything's laid out, it's serious, it's, you know, you're serving your country, putting your life on the line to going to the Dallas Cowboys where it's just it had to be wild, crazy the exact opposite almost, wasn't it? I'll tell you what, I found myself having to kind of click my heels together, having that Dorothy from Kansas moment going, where the heck am I at? I'm not a Kansas 
because the discipline was no problem probably for you, obviously. And so then what, what is it? Uh, what was the difference? Were they, were they wild and partying then? Everybody goes out together and does stuff? Well, you know, it, it was, you know, the NFL is a microcosm of society. You had all types. You had, you know, the guys that were hardcore partiers and you had the guys that were hardcore Christians who were, you know, walking the walk, talking the talk. Sure. I mean, it was a broad demographic of all types of personalities. But, you know, then what would really impress me the most was not, you know, I wasn't impressed with the partying aspect and the guys having a good time. I mean, I was part of that point was to each his own, but what I was most impressed with was the selflessness of the guys and their one focus on winning football games. Now these are guys who were who were Troy Aikman before he was Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin before he was Michael Irvin and Charles right. Haley and Emmett Smith and all these guys before they were, you know, their Hall of Fame inductions. They were a bunch of guys that were out to win football games, busting their butt, getting after it, and I was so impressed. That's what made the transition easy for me because when you're flying jets, you have one common purpose. That's to accomplish, mm-hmm. you know, you're flying together as teammates. And Do you attribute that to the, those individuals themselves or the coaching or the organization? Do you think that's just across the NFL? No, it's to the individuals themselves. To Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, you would name as singularly focused individuals. Yeah, they had the innate um, desire to be the best. You know, not to be the best at their position, but to be selfless as teammates. You know, of course, Michael Irvin wanted the ball every time, you know, and Emmett Smith wanted to run the ball every time. But they realized that from a team perspective that you got to distribute the pill around a little bit. And from a defensive perspective, we up front as a defensive lineman, you know, basically my job was to hold the offensive lineman off the linebackers so they can run and make a play. Mm-hmm. So none of the, the partying lifestyle, the craziness was uh, attractive to you, though, because it seems like. That would have been just so luring. Like all of a sudden, you're finally validated for the, your athletic skill, and you know now it's obviously you know. Uh, le- I know it's still intense, and there's you know still a lot of working out and and rules and regulations and stuff like that. But I mean, now you even have some fame, and people are like, I mean, I'm sure people thought it was super cool that you were you know in the Air Force, and now you're playing for the Dallas Cowboys, which is arguably you know one the greatest, most most popular at least. It's not the greatest because Green Bay Packers are, in my opinion, but uh, one of the most popular franchises. I mean, was that just, did you not just feel like you didn't go wild or anything? Like, were you married? Yes. No, I was married. I was married um, right after, uh, right before I deployed on my first active duty assignment to go over to England. So I had been married for two years and, and when we didn't have any kids at the time, but I was never really into that partying scene. Because unlike a lot of my yeah. peers, as a rookie, I was 27 years old as a rookie. So I had lived a little bit of life. I kind of got a lot of the youthful exuberance out of my system, you know, before I got there. And I realized, you know, I teased my teammates too, that you know, I had a real job before I came to play in the NFL, <laughs> that, you know, as a fighter pilot. So it, um, you can imagine the stress. I, I was living in England, had just got back from a, my second deployment, flying missions into Iraq. Um, transition, move my wife and myself back from England to, you know, to start a new career with the Cowboys. It's 70 degrees, 72 degrees as a high in England. I get to Austin, Texas, first training camp. It's 95 with 65, 70% humidity wanting to just die. So it took everything I had just to concentrate on and, and earning a job and earning a position to play. Chad, there's a couple things I would like to talk about. One is uh, military-related and the other being NFL-related, as well as Toby and Joey. I'm sure I have other questions as well. But would you mind – we were just discussing it before you came on. We were discussing 
terrorism and the stuff going on in Paris and the attack that happened. And uh, just as somebody that I respect, I'm sure a lot of people respect. Like, would you weigh in on some of that stuff with us? Because we we don't. I don't know much. I don't really feel like as a younger man, I have much of a grip on the Middle East or any of those situations. So I feel silly not to try to get some opinions from someone uh, with, with your background and wisdom. Well, sure. I, what do you want to know? Yeah. Should our country take on like a, an attitude of, no, we got to stop this. Like no matter what we, you know, even if we can't stop terrorism completely, we've got to, we've got to at least fight them. Yeah. Let's start with military strategy. How about that? I'll just say from a philo- philosophical standpoint first that America what separates America and what is, a, you know, I truly believe in American exceptionalism is the aspect that we truly are that city upon a hill. I mean, when our first freedom was based on religious freedoms and and in our Bill of Rights and our everything else translates from that. So we need to stand up and be that leader in the world to help promote freedom, democracy. But I realize, too, from a cultural standpoint, not everybody comes from the same experience that we do. But yet when people, there's mass murders uh, and um, genocide being committed against whole demographic groups of people, I think we as a nation, we do have a moral obligation to stand up and to say no more. Now, we're saying that the utilization of our military, our military should not be one to utilize as a nation builder. What we train, what I train, and what they train today is to break things, to kill things, to conquer, to take ground, to hold ground, and to continue to push forward. The rules of engagement that our politicians and our government officials have placed on our military have really handcuffed and have hampered our guys in the ability to go out and to conquer and to accomplish the mission at hand. So my opinion, we need to just unleash the dogs of war. This is what we, our military objective is going to be. We're going to set up whatever safe zones for the Syrian people, for the different tribes, get them in place. And then, you know, we get the heck out of Dodge and protect mm-hmm. our own borders and, and continue to do that. But we're, you know, we've been trying to, we've basically been at war since 1991. And you think we should should have been and should be at war? Yeah, you know, I think the original intentions based upon the evidence at the time was we should have gone in. But whether we should have stuck around as long as we did or the strategy thereafter, you know, that's open up for debate. But when you continue to, and I know you don't want to limit, you, you do need to limit collateral damage. You do need to have a specific mission in mind before going in. It just can't be this perpetual presence that we provide there because I wouldn't want to be there. If I was serving today, I wouldn't want to spend these guys. Some of these guys have spent years in Iraq or in Afghanistan, downrange away from their families. Families are paying a price. Those men are paying a price and the women are paying a price by Mm post-traumatic stress and traumatic brainage. The whole nine yards that from a social cost back here, we're paying a very heavy, heavy, heavy price. And it's going to be, we're going to be paying that for years to come. Yeah. Well, what is the right response to terrorism, like the terrorist attacks in Paris? Like, I know a lot of people, as what we were discussing, is people are just up in arms and maybe without the understanding of what it is and who those people are. And they just say, well, we just got to go get them. Let's just turn it on and go kill all those people, whoever they are. Yeah. But you've been on the ground over there. Is it some people, is it appropriate or okay or right to go over there and just get them? Or is it just a few bad people and we would just be going over there and damaging civilians and otherwise great people? I think, again... You got to look at it. What is your 
philosophy? What is your outlook? What do you what do you profess? What are the things that in order to go and quote unquote take anybody out or do anything, you have to be able to name it, call it what it is. When you have our own politicians that refuse to call radical Islam or radical terrorists uh-huh. to name it, you can never battle it. Okay. So how are you going to fight something that you can't even name or refuse to name? Mm-hmm. And another thing is the acknowledgement that there is evil in the world. There are people out there that want to do us harm. And as a Christian, I believe that the devil, Satan, his demons, the demonic horde, that there are, there is a, from a physical realm and a spiritual realm, there is evil in the world today. And we have to battle that. We have to protect the innocent. We have to protect ourselves. But yet at the same time, you know, do it in a quote unquote uh, just war scenario where you have a defined objective. And it's not just a matter of going over there to kill people, but you've got to inflict some damage and what? you got to retaliate hard. And I think we got to use social media right now, too, to they're winning the battle in the social media realm by, uh-huh. and they're through the recruiting. So we need to be able to implement policies of showing them that, you know, if, if you go join ISIS, ISIL, whatever you want to call them, that there will be ramifications and you will come to uh, an end that is not most likely in your liking. And one of the things we were talking about, too, is just what can the regular old person like us do? And with that same thing, like you were saying with social media, is it does it mean anything if we put the flag on our icons on Facebook? And, and are we just buying into what they're doing anyway? Like, is that what ISIS wants us to do? Just to seem like we kind of care or uh, that they or we should be scared. They're going to do that here. Like, like should, we shouldn't really we were talking. We shouldn't really be changing our lifestyle in fear of, of this. Like we should. That should that's probably what they want. Well, we need to be cognizant. One of the things, if anybody, if any of you guys or any of your listeners have ever traveled abroad, you know, even in Europe, certain uh, in Israel to Middle East, they have their their gendarme, their police force. There's a presence that people are walking around armed. You know, that they have military presence. And it's first time I was overseas, I get a little uncomfortable because we don't see that here in the U.S. And people are conscious or conscientious about. If there's a, a duffel bag or a, a grocery bag that's sitting by itself in a public arena, that could be a bomb. You know, and, and unfortunately, that's the point where I think we are going to be faced with those types of educational aspects of teaching our kids to be cognizant of those things that as far as our innocence, you know, our American innocence, we, we don't have that anymore. We don't have that luxury to continue to go on living our lives as if nothing has happened, that we have this insulation of two oceans and well, semi-permeable border, but they're going to, they are here and they, you know, they being people that want choose to do us harm, whether they're Islamic t- terrorists or, or whoever, we need to be one conscientious of what our surroundings, but yet, you know, promote the, it's good to promote that nationalism and those freedoms and to be how, inclusive. How do you deal with Christian pacifism and, you know, when people claim turn the other cheek scriptures and, you know, that sort of train of thought. I thought I had that all fixed in my head, but you know, it's, it's the aspect now that I do believe we need to protect ourselves, protect the innocent, that we need to actively engage evil, fight evil. But at the same token, we need to be able to, to witness and to change. You're never going to legislate morality. You're not over there by having a military presence but by winning the hearts and minds through Christ, that's how it's going to change. And what I'm encouraged about is, is by reading many stories that are talking about a lot of the Syrian refugees 
that are in Europe that are coming to Christ, that are becoming Christians, and even Christians that are in the Middle East, in Syria, in Jordan, in Palestine, in Egypt, in Saudi Arabia, in Iran, in Iraq, that, you know, they're seeing dreams and visions of Christ speaking to them about himself. And, you know, I think we are in the fifth great awakening that, but it's not happening here in the United States. It's, it's happening overseas in Asia. Yeah. I think one thing you said that does kind of stick out in my mind, I never thought about it this way. Maybe it is like, I think, I think a lot of people do push back on, on saying, calling it radical Islam. But when you said that, it kind of something stuck out in my mind of, well, if you did call it that, that would actually separate the nice, gentle, wonderful, good Islamic people that have nothing to do with this. You know what I mean? Like that, that is something that is interesting to me. The religion of Islam is humongous. The large majority don't want anything to do with this, this kind of killing. It's at least it's what it seems like to me. And so it does seem interesting. Like if you could call it radical Islam, that would actually separate a little bit. Well, I think what, what he's referring to there, Chad, if I'm correct, is I believe Obama made a statement after Jihadi John killed somebody or something like that. And he, he, Obama said, this is not, it has nothing to do with Islam or anything. This is just a terrorist group. They're bad people. He made a really sharp distinction not I to see. name them okay. on purpose because he didn't want to draw that iron. Well, but you know what? You know, with that, I'll make a distinction too that back when we were more actively engaged in fighting the Gulf War, there were the Westboro Baptists that were showing up at funerals, mm-hmm. you know, protesting, you know, honorable men and women that have given their life in the service of their country. Because they interpreted a radical, well, uh, an extreme version of the Bible regarding right. homosexuality right. and end times, etc. You know, I, I don't have any problem with calling them, you know, a radical, radical Christian. Christians. I don't exactly. affiliate with them. Right. So it's the same token. When you're talking right. a small minority percentage of, you know, a billion plus people, you're still talking hundreds of millions of people yeah. Yeah. that profess that belief. And should be named as such, you know, radical Christians, radical Islam, but either way, bad, you know, you can't name it. You, you have to, you know, your identity is wrapped around how you name things. Yeah. Right. And if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that's how I name myself, but that's my ownership and in, in my identity and hopefully, you know, my actions back up my words. Oh, this is a heavy subject. Yeah, so, uh, I'm going to ask, uh, so I, I got to get off of it for a second and I got, I have to ask, I was reading some of your bio uh, I saw where you scored one defensive touchdown. <laughs> I thought that was that like the greatest moment in your in your NFL career. Like it just on the field, what was your greatest moment? Like you just it stood up and you felt like you're the biggest man on earth. You know, it, it was probably you know I, I really I've been asked that question. I typically I you know, I've been hitting the head a few times. I can't remember <laughs> plays, but but I go back to to probably you know getting a sack in a Super Bowl. Awesome. Would be oh, pretty cool. Whereas the defensive touchdowns are more of a fluke thing, and you're happy to have done it. The sack in Super Bowl is what you were, you know, born to train to do. I remember when I did score that touchdown. I, I remember what my high school football coach told me. That's act like you've been there before. So I ran three, <laughs> and I handed him the ball. But then I realized as I was trotting back that hey, in the NFL you can keep the ball, and I probably want to keep that for a keepsake. So I went back up and asked for it back, and then ran to the sidelines. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I've got, I've got, um, Toby and Matt are going to get a little mad at me, but I've got five popcorn oh NFL questions. Let's so get them out you of the way. You don't have to go in depth, but uh, first question, did you get a chance to encourage Leon, Leon Lett when he, when Don Beebe hit the football out of his hands? <laughs> yeah. 
I feel bad for Leon because he's got two, I think, of the top 10 blunders. Yeah, he does. <laughs> the top 100 blunders, he's in the two of the top 10. <laughs> What's the other one? Let me see if I know the other one. It's that ice bowl in Dallas that time, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right, second, second question. Uh, the 90s Cowboys teams that you were a part of, how much of the success was on Jimmy Johnson and um, – Dadgummit, I forgot Oklahoma coach's name. What's his name? Barry Switzer. Yeah, Barry Switzer. How how much of it was on their shoulders, y'all's success? You know, I think initially it was a lot of it was on Jimmy's because he set the tone. Nice. He set, you know, as a leader, he set the tone. And and I think everybody bought into the vision that he cast. And and that's, you know, and then as Barry came in during the transition and subsequently, it was up to the players at that point in time. But I would say Jimmy would be more so the one that kind of set the tone for the whole show. Yeah. All right, 1995 NFC Championship. Were you guys nervous to play a red-hot Green Bay team, or were y'all like, yeah, we got this? You know, we had, I think we had beaten them like five times in a row at yeah. Texas Stadium. So we were, you know, we were confident. And we've always, from a defensive perspective, we played against Brett Favre very well. And I think I, think I had a sack in that game, too, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. But we got after it pretty good. And all I remember afterwards was some of the guys talking about how Reggie White was so upset after that that, you know, even the Reverend said a few choice words. All right, la- last two questions. Um, why isn't Troy Aikman, in your opinion, considered in the greatest quarterbacks of all time talk? He's got three Super Bowl rings and he's never considered. Well, it depends, again, upon your criteria. You know, from yeah. a leadership perspective and from a guy who's produced results, it's obvious he has to be, but yeah. his, his individual statistics weren't necessarily wrapped up with some of the other guys that may be considered a, a great quarterback or a legacy quarterback, but have they won three Super Bowls? You know, and yeah. that's, it, to me, it all depends upon your criteria. But yeah. when you win game, the job of the quarterback should be to captain the team to win games, to put your team in a position to win games. And Troy's got to be at the top. So you would take a leader uh, that you would take that quality over. Uh, athleticism even. Oh, you bet. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's really interesting to hear from your point of view. Joey, these are actually good questions. Oh, well, thank you, Matt. Last question. Des Bryant, speak on that catch <laughs> or lack of. What? Oh, last year? Oh, it was yeah. definitely a catch. But don't you have to say, though, according to the rules, the referees called it right? Bad rule. Yeah. Well, they even argued whether it was had followed the rule or not or did it or did it not. But you know, bottom line, it was a bad rule, and that was a catch in my book. I mean, yeah, I think maybe if if, if they would have ruled that a catch, y'all might would have won, and then I think they could have beat Seattle and been in. Now I don't know if they would have beat the Patriots. I have a theory about that. Okay, I love this theory. This, this is my this last. We're we're huge, all three of us, big Green Bay fans. I really believe that the Lord smote the NFC after. So the playoffs start with Detroit. Against Dallas, remember that weird pass interference call that wasn't or something like that? Yeah, they picked up the flag. Right, right. They picked it up, and it was really crazy, and Detroit lost, which they should have won against Dallas. Then the next week, Dallas was plays revenge us. revenge for that. For right, Dallas. and then the next time, the, the death thing happens, and then the Lord totally comes on to the earth and stops the game almost in Seattle <laughs> because I've never seen a, anybody implode like that. And then Seattle got touched because obviously give the ball to Lynch. Yeah. So every everybody was smoked by yeah. the Lord Himself, I think, in that last year, starting with Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> Detroit should have gone on, and then yeah, the I rest mean, of what happened. Detroit, I think it was supposed to be Detroit's year to win it all, <laughs> and then the Lord. So when they, the devil himself or something messed that up, and the Lord said, "Nope, I'm going to smoke all this." That's just my theory, though. Well, Chad, sure. could you could you tell us what you, uh, your point of view is? 
Um, the new thing now that I noticed coming into the season, obviously, is the more embracing, outward embracing of gambling. Everything from more talk about spreads to obviously the fantasy sports, FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, I know that gambling's always been a big part, probably, uh, and on the minds of people in sports. And now it's just more out in the open. Has it always really been in there, and people been aware of it? Like when you were playing, was it? You know, it was a, a lot of stuff going on. Now it's embraced. And how do you feel about that? Well, you know, back in the day, not at all. I mean, we did um, none of the guys. You know, of course, like a Pete Rose bet on games. But sure. Oh yeah. No, I'm not saying that the players were involved. I'm just saying that. There's been it's, it's all it's never talked about in the media is what I'm saying until now. Yeah, and I think it's just the ad, advent or the uh, evolution of the fantasy football, fantasy mm-hmm. sports leagues to do that. And, well, and also media technology development of different apps that we just live in a different day. But the only thing that we kind of looked looked at was the spreads, you know, at Vegas, you know, for whether a playoff game yeah. or a Super Bowl, just to yep. see who was favored. Sure. But in regards to the actual exchange of money, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal back then. Or do you think it's good for the sport to acknowledge it more publicly or bad? For the, game? for the game to acknowledge that gambling is going on? Yeah, and for to talk about it on ESPN and Fox and everything like that, the way they do, and then advertise for the fantasy sports and stuff like that. It certainly helps ratings, and it helps them earn more money, at least. I really don't have an opinion either way about that, other than the way that they're kind of hooking people in with the, the fantasy sports that hey, we're going to give you a $250 credit, whatever, to come on and yeah. do your thing. And, and I think that's like giving somebody a little bit of a, a, a lead-in drug to get them mm-hmm. on the heavier stuff. And I just, I, I don't agree with that. But, you know, gambling's been a, a part of life from day one. Yeah. So. Well, one one last thing I want to ask you too, and we want to get into your book a little bit as well, but what is your, I mean, obviously having played in the NFL and everything, where are you at with concussions? I know the new movie Concussion is coming out with Will Smith, and it is a huge, hugely debated topic. And even, like, I, I wonder, will I let my son play football? I'm, I'm just thinking some of that thing. Where, where do you stand on that? I am, well, I'll come right out. I'm still pro football. Right on. I mean, I think football is one of the greatest games out there. I think it's a great game for young men to play, to exert what it means to be a man, to be masculine. And, um, one of the things that I always caution people is when you read an article or you listen to somebody, always ask yourself, like, this is what I ask myself every time I go in for a business meeting. I, I always ask, you know, what, what's, the, what's his motive? What's the other guy's motive? Why, why is he saying what he is? You know, follow the money trail or whatnot. Yeah. You know, do concussions happen? Yes. Do injuries happen? Blowing out, you know, a knee, getting sprains, getting, you know, contusions, abrasions. Yeah. It's, it's a violent sport. Right. But I think with the advent now of the preseason pre-testing to get baselines on guys, that as technology continues to roll, the, the equipment, um, the concussion protocol, I think football is safer now than it ever has been. And I think that in the years to come, that we're seeing the, the benefits of not having that concussion protocol from the 70s, the 80s, you know, in the 90s or part of the 90s, whatnot. That we're seeing a lot of the guys with that uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy CTE that they can only detect post mortem. But you know, I say all that that yeah, I think they're even coming out with a swab test that you'll be able to do uh, 
Deb, get a saliva test for your kids and determine whether they carry a specific concussion gene sure. that will leave them more susceptible to concussions. Yeah. Well, I look, like to look at everything as risk reward. So if you look at football in the whole, if you take all the high school and all the college players and all the stuff, what that affords them and teaches them versus the total amount of injuries. And yes, even deaths. There are high school players that have died this year randomly um, or through some injury. But so, so do people in cars and we don't outlaw cars. We take the collective risk and reward of, of a thing as a whole. And if you think about all the coaching and the learning and the positivity for society of channeling young people through that system and the leadership and all, all that stuff, even th- through their college educations that th- they've gotten and all that, I mean, it seems like the benefits of that team sport uh, far outweighs uh, some problems and even and even deaths. I think that's a reasonable thing to, to discuss. Yeah, and I totally agree. Risk reward, the your return, your investment. I mean, for me, football was the best leadership laboratory there was. I learned more about life, about leadership, about being you know a team player, and about being a person through my uh, experience of playing football. And would advocate for your kids to start high school football and go where it goes. Yeah, and here's where the thing where I do make a draw of the line on a distinction. I don't think kids, young men, should play football till they're in junior high. Okay. I don't agree with the peewee football leagues where you get in a five, six-year-old kid full helmet where they don't even have the neck strength to hold up the helmet. Right. Like a little bobblehead dial. But your brain, your brain continues to develop till you're 25 years old. So the, the, the risk there to have a potential concussion when your brain's going through so many changes at that young age, you know, it's better to hold it off at an, at an age appropriate time to, to start. Well, Chad, we want to talk about your new book, Forces of Character, and, and get you to tell us a little bit about it. You bet. The book came out. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to forcesofcharacter.com. But I sat down with 10 very unique, distinct individuals, some of celebrity that people would recognize their names and and others that you probably want, but I deemed all these people to be forces of character. And um, a force of character to me is someone who lives to be their best self every day. They encourage others to do the same. And in any association, whether it be a team, family, community, job, business, they encourage that entity to, to live to a higher noble purpose or cause. But I interviewed individuals, some of the individuals we've talked about, Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach, Jason Garrett, coach for the Cowboys, former teammate. Greg Popovich, coach for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. I interviewed a space shuttle commander, an astronaut, a religious dissident out of communist Romania, an Auschwitz survivor, uh, the CEO for the National Center on Fathering, and uh, a homelessness expert that has a program that turns people away so that they don't fall back into the homeless lifestyle. All these people are just phenomenal rock stars, but they come from all walks of life, you know, black, white, male, female. But I reason why I did got that broad demographic of people is to say that anybody, anybody can live a life of character because it's a choice. So you felt like those people that you interviewed weren't just born that way or privileged in their upbringing. You can identify with them that they chose to be that way. Most definitely. And I firmly believe that we all have a choice. And guys, this is one of the reasons, another reasons why I wanted to write the book is because you look around today and it's where our society, we're always playing the blame game. It's not my fault. Um, it's somebody else's fault or he did that to me. But no matter whether you did it yourself or something bad happened to you that was out of your control, you still have a choice as to how you react to that. When did Troy Aikman choose? When he was, was it when he was young or, I mean. He was a young man. I talked about, you know, each of their stories, I, I kind of followed a template, okay, on what was your transformational moment in your life where you acknowledged or you recognized that there was a right and a wrong, a choice that had to be made. And uh, 
you know, a lot of these people, again, not perfect, but they made choices that if they did make a mistake, hey, own up to it, step forward and acknowledge it and continue to press on. Very similar to the Christian walk. This, one of the stories that I'll share with you is actually the story of the Dr. Edith Eager. She was a survivor of Auschwitz as a 16-year-old girl on the train from Hungary to, to Poland to mm-hmm. Auschwitz. Separated from her father, she's there with her sister and her mother, and her mother holds her head, face in her hands as as they're riding in the cattle car. And she says, "You know, Edie, we're not sure what's going to happen to us. We're not sure where we're going to go, but always remember, you have a choice. You know, they can't take away from you what's in your mind." And this, as soon as they got off, they come face to face with Joseph Mengele, angel of death. He gives the thumb sign to the mom to go to the right, the girls to go to the left. Mother goes to the gas chamber and up the smokestack, and she never sees her parents again. But she ended up having to dance and perform because she's a classically trained ballerina in front of Yosef Mengele for his dinner. And she had to choose to forgive him. I mean, it's just so if she can do that, what's my excuse? You know, you know, I'm torn in some things. I feel like, man, so many people have so much stuff stacked against them. I don't really blame them for turning out this way or that way. But on the other hand, I mean, to go through Auschwitz and have I mean, that's a really traumatic past and something to overcome. And people are able to do it. So it's not always the most benevolent thing to allow people excuses, whether or not from a t- having a tough upbringing or bad situation, there's still personal responsibility. It sounds like that you're big on there. It always comes down to that. You know, we all, life happens to everybody, you know, in certain degrees, whether that's the Auschwitz survivor or, you know, somebody growing up here in America where we've had privilege and freedom and affluency their whole life. But we always have a choice as to what mm-hmm. we say, what we do, and even the thoughts that we have. You know, I was just getting encouraged. Just read the book. There's so many stories like that within there that are very motivational, inspiring, but they're transparent in the fact that they give people permission that, yeah, I did make mistakes, but I learned. Yeah. And they surrounded themselves with people that did uplift them. Talk about that with people, certain upbringings, but, you know, Carrie Casey, this uh, CEO for the National Center of Fathering, grew up in segregation. In Virginia, yeah, you know, his claim to fame was he was on the opposing team on that Denzel Washington movie, Remember the Titans? He was on the opposing team as a sophomore. And they, you know, they said they got smoked. But, you know, as an African-American growing up in segregation where racism was much more prevalent than what it is today, he told about a story where walking into a gas station for, with his father to get gas when he was five, six years old. And there's a group of white gentlemen standing over in the corner. And as the father walks in and says, hey, I need some gas. One of the guys turned around and said, you know, hey, we don't serve your kind around here using some choice language. And Carrie said, my dad looked down to me and he said, evidently that man doesn't know my name. And he went up to the gentleman and he had a conversation that, and the white guy went over and ended up pumping gas for him. And Carrie said, I learned from that day that I did have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, racism, it affected me, but I saw what my father did and how he reacted and it impacted my life. So we all have a choice. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I think that sounds uh, compelling. And it's, 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 really is inspiring the people that are able to accomplish the things that you have and then and do this and write this book so forces of character is the name of the book and it's chadhennings.com is where you want people to go probably right yeah that's fine so i'm sure it's amazon and bookstores everywhere forces of character by chad chad i'm honored to speak to someone that's as accomplished as you i really have enjoyed talking to you today it really is cool yeah thanks so much chad appreciate you guys thank you all right go packers see you later buddy (laughs) 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 All right, Chad Hennings, man. Awesome. 
I was trying to get him to say he was a drug addict gambler yeah. when he switched over. Oh, no, you Toby, got that Toby you no. definitely get you definitely get unsettled, man, when people sound really good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I always think there's probably something hidden. Yeah. But Chad's honestly seems like a really legit guy. I mean, like, he's a military guy. He played in the NFL. He wants to help people. He's an author. I mean, there's not much bad about him. So he might be a serial killer. <laughs> but I bet I bet his books sure is interesting. Hey, for sure. you know someone someone like this guy, he's never heard a bad Christian episode ever. Is he going to listen to an episode and then be like, "I got on with that"? He's not going to listen in any way. He's he's not going to he's no. not going to listen to his own interview. No, I don't listen to interviews. I do ever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, I mean, I know you're probably in a different point of view if you got an interview or, or something i'm sure you'd watch it back oh on it's YouTube definitely sometimes. a learning experience but for, for, me. for me i do interviews all the time and i just literally never do i didn't want to go back and listen to the one with billy we did matt mcdonald and i did mike Carrera's podcast i can't stand to go back and listen to the whole thing because i mean maybe you could learn from it or where you could have done yeah. better but i listening back to this one to edit is enough damn that's embarrassing enough for me just to have to hear this back when I edit it. I like to move on. I don't like to listen to myself too much. I like. I guess I put it this way. If I'm listening back to something, golly, that's a waste of time. I already spent the time doing it in the first place, so I got to move on. That's <laughs> the way I feel. I can't, I'll go make something else, not sit there and listen back to the thing I already did. I don't think he'll listen to this. Of course not. You can say whatever you want about the guy right now. He's going to hear it. <laughs> well, he was an awesome dude. I'm glad he came on. Very interesting. I I think his playing weight, he was like 6'6", 291. Yeah. I mean, he could obliterate. I mean, he's 50 years old and still obliterate us. Yeah, I don't think you saw you Y'all didn't see it, but I was on the Skype screen with him here because we, we had video on for a second. We just went to audio only, but he was sitting in a real nice-looking place. It was like a desk, a big desk in a oh, giant right. room with a fireplace behind him. Oh, he was dressed nice. Like, I'm wearing the oh, wow. shittiest clothes in the world <laughs> sitting on the tour bus. I'm so glad I didn't have my video on because he would have just had to hang up immediately. But he looked like he was at a CEO desk in a big uh, like it's lodge, legit, like a lodge or something like like what you <laughs> <it's> amazing. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm glad too. What would he have felt like if he'd have seen, he'd have uh, seen sitting this, on an '83 <laughs> Greyhound bus, all jacked up, Joey sitting there probably with his hat to the side. That would have been terrible, dude. I hated. Oh my gosh, I hated the Dallas Cowboys during that time. On, I mean, because yeah. he's he's so right. I mean, the Packers could not get by the Cowboys. In fact, the next year when the Packers did go to the Super Bowl, the Panthers knocked the Cowboys out of the playoffs, and we didn't even have to play them to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, they just had our number. I hated them, hated them. Now I look back. It's so weird with sports for me. I look back on the teams that I hated, and now they're like a part of my heritage. Like, for example, after Michael Jordan won two championships, I wanted the Phoenix Suns and Barkley to win. I wanted the Sonics team to win, the Jazz teams to win. I hated Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Now I look back, and I'm like, Michael Jordan, he's awesome. Like, that's the 90s, man. That's where I came from. That's that's what I used to watch. Hey, man, that's really interesting. Let's move on to something that is interesting. Let's get to some truth. Chad Hennings, Chad Hennings gave us the truth. I'm ready for some truth myself. Rolling. In this world, when you meet someone that is a nice person and they are good and they care about this world and you immediately think they might be some type of murderer or something well, you awful. You just cannot accept a person is a good guy. I cannot accept well, You cannot accept it. That just shows my own sin. This is Toby Morrell. This is the damn news hey guys i don't want to offend but have we ever thought about joe you are offending have we ever thought about going every other episode with the damn news 
we've thought about it, but this comes we, from the Huffington Post. <laughs> best Christmas list ever. It's the holiday season, but at least one person wants you to know that he can do without holly, tinsel, and poinsettia. Assuming those are all names of professional sex workers. <laughs> in his Christmas letter to Santa, a little boy named Rory Smith wanted to tell the man in the North Pole he'd like to, the video game Grand Theft Auto Five for his upcoming holiday. Wait, but tell they, me his age again. I'm sorry. A little boy named Rory. Don't know the age. Didn't say the age, my friend. Okay. Please listen. you got to listen to the news to understand the truth. But he made his intentions extremely clear when he explained the list. I'm just going to read the list. I thought it was pretty adorable. Did it say a the, sequel? Was Joe, it? Joe, the Toby original will one? give you the information I'm give you that the information. you need. You have to trust that. He will give you all information Matt, let's just take a moment to pray for need. Priscilla. I just want to, I want to give truth. Dear God, please help Joey's wife, Priscilla. <laughs> it is hell on earth for her. I can't believe it. Joey, how long y'all been married? 12. Oh, God, she no. Is Jesus in heaven. Lord, Lord, we I know that torment, Joey 13. says torment won't last forever, but I don't see anything in sight for his wife. She's a saint. Torment might not last forever, but it's hell on earth for your wife. So I want to read this little boy's list. Okay. I think it's really cute. He says, Dear Santa, this year I'd like uh, a portal gun toy, a cardboard, TARDIS or wood, Legos. He said a pack of doctors, first to 11. Is it a cardboard tortoise? Or Tardis. Lego. He wants more. Le- he wants more Legos and a different Lego train. Then he writes, "I would like G five. He just wants to play it with the cars." And in parentheses, Sarah, not the hookers. <laughs> <laughs> he wants Grand Theft Auto five, but he told Santa disclaimed just to do the car stuff. The car stuff. He not does not the want the hookers. The, 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 the yeah, highly right. controversial game features the use of violence and gameplay elements what a lying that involve piece of crap. graphic depictions of prostitution. Like that, he'd be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> you, Matt, you think he totally wants just the hooker? Oh, he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joey, I read this news article because I thought it, I wondered what you would say. When will you let your kids play video games, and and will you let them get like play some of the violent ones, like well, the ones where there's like gunfire and killing, zombies, potentially prostitutes? Are you going to let your kids play those games or not under your house? No, definitely the violent ones with shooting like Contra and Double Dragon, like Mortal uh, the Kombat. modern day, the modern day equivalents of those. But no, not not um Grand Theft Auto. They can do that when they're in college. When they're seventeen, I just sixteen year old boy can't play Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, what age are you going to let your kids play video games? Oh, they play video games now on on like their iPods and stuff. But wouldn't your grandma have said, "Don't play Mortal Kombat too"? Yeah. Where you can rip the guy's arms off. Yeah, I, I, I it was think, fine. I when think you I'd be okay that. with that. I would have talks with him about it. Like we'd have Mortal Kombat chats. Okay. I used to have. I think it was Mortal Kombat three. I had this guy named Zarkon that could like throw a net, and I kicked ass. Yeah, I love the violent games. I always did, but I some of them are so intense and crazy. I just don't know. I've been kind of debating on will I ever get a game system for my kids, and when mm-hmm. what age would that be? Because like some of the Wii games are kind of fun, you know, like dancing games and stuff for exercise. And my kids do like games on phones or iPads or computers. Oh, they already play games. They're and all, I don't want to hold that back from because the world runs on computers and stuff. And that, well, that is fun. Yeah. And I remember when console. I liked it. And now I don't play video games at all. I couldn't care less. But I don't know. It's interesting. I don't, I, Jess and I will have to decide in the next few years, seriously, are we going to get, like, let them start playing games? And do we, do we have to observe that too and I mean, watch they play it? play video careful? games on your iPad now. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, a game system where it's like in-depth and takes weeks or something to play or something. I don't know. All right. This also comes from the old Huffington Post. Hey, thanks for making us think. You're welcome. You're always welcome, Joey, to enjoy my truth. 
Woman flips out over all-you-can-eat pancake rule, police say. Mm-hmm. Joey, you flipped out over pancakes before, hadn't you? Oh, I flipped the hell out, man. Don't mess my pancakes. What's up. the most in one sitting you've eaten pancakes? How many the pancakes? Most pancakes? Oh, about a baker's dozen, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> An argument over the meaning of all you can eat has led to an assault charge for a woman in suburban Chicago. Police in Oaklawn, Illinois, said 27-year-old Natasha West flipped out at a Denny's restaurant after the waitress told her she couldn't share her $4 all-you-can-eat pancakes. Flapjacks, I'm sorry. With the other people at the table, according to the smoking gun, police said West became irate and started swearing and swinging her fists at the server. None of the blows landed on the waitress, according to the police, but West and her party allegedly then left the restaurant without paying, only to stop to kick a door several times while on their way out. I'm going to fix this restaurant. Bam, 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 bam. The restaurant manager called the police who tracked down West and her dinner crew in the car in a car a short time later. They were taken back to Denny's where a restaurant employees positively identified them. One of West's friends paid for the food and West was arrested and charged with assault. Now, my question is, I've always kind of thought that was loosely like if I if I get all you can eat, you can have some. Right. I don't know. I think you can't like if I have some pancakes, you can have a couple. And me and everybody else in the restaurant, they're all with me. You think you think she was really abusing it? Like like she they four people, four or five people sat down and they I'll take one all you can eat. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, b- based on the rest of her actions, you don't you're not necessarily given I mean she kinda tipped <laughs> yeah, her, yeah. tipped to how this thing probably went down. Like there's not a policy enforcement method that should incite such response as right as this lady did <laughs> yeah she shouldn't why would you react so so if you're not if you're a good person that, that shows me who probably where the fault probably lies now i do like to order one drink and i will share that i shared if oh, i like I, a soda yeah, yeah like all, Chipotle, all you can drink soda, me yeah. and bridget both get a burrito bowl and a large iced tea or a medium iced tea and that's for both of us yeah i don't feel obligated to buy two drinks but when you i don't know all you can eat that's for one person well, that is interesting. That's a funny point you bring up, Matt. That yeah, like what kind of the, the waitress or it's a waiter probably went over there and said, "Hey, oh, I'm sorry, you can't share." You know, and so, <laughs> said, "Oh hell, oh, no. hell no!" Right. <laughs> you said all you can eat. You didn't say just for me. <laughs> I love it. I love Inevitably, it. I love she would have claimed false advertising somewhere. Right? People love to say the word false advertising, having no real understanding of what it really means. People, if in customer service complaints. Their favorite phrase is, that's false advertising. All right, we got one, time for one more. Here we go. No, we yeah, don't. One more. I got one more. All right. These are off today from Huffington uh, Post. Sorry, guys. It's no, right. no, sorry. I'm proud of it. Yeah. No, Hell, I'm proud of it. Hell, don't you do it. Hell, I'm proud of it. Harvard marching band gets cocky and spells pen, penis on the field. <laughs> it was pen 15, dude. Plus a penis. It's pen 15. You might be right, actually, getting close there. Harvard's marching band. <laughs> There's a picture of it, too. Joey had to show his dad to see if it was real. <laughs> hey, Dad, this word, this word here is penis. Is this, is this penis? <laughs> Anything with penis, Joey has to show his dad. Anything. Had to get clarification. <laughs> hey, Dad, the toilet bowl, bowl, uh, as P in it, I think it came from a. Did that come from a penis or? <laughs> hey, Dad, you, you know Waylon and William, right? 
<laughs> Boy, show him your penis. <laughs> now, William. Now. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Love you. Love you, bud. Harvard's marching band may consist of talented musicians, but on Saturday, it was clear some of them had a different kind of instrument on their mind. Twitter user uh, Jacob Badler posted a photo uh, during a Harvard Saturday game against University of Pennsylvania that shows the marching band spelling out a word as is common at college football games in order to get audiences riled up. Though some Twitter users suspected the band was trying to form the word pen, Adler was not the only one to see the formation as a big penis. <laughs> Apparently, the band members were learning some something besides marching at band camp. However, band manager said it was an unintentional snafu, and what they were, he said, we meant to spell pen fifteen, with, pen fifteen, with both a space and an apostrophe before the number. Oh, because it's twenty fifteen, not like right. yeah. I was, I, that, right. was that weird that they, nobody knew that joke though. That old know, that had, old joke. Somebody might have known the pen fifteen club. They had to know. So here's probably what happened. It's like um, when I was when we did a play in sixth grade. Uh, we wrote a play to perform, and they got to we got to name all the characters. And so every single it was Bart, Lisa, Homer, whatever. But the teacher didn't know the Simpsons had just come out. Right. So the Simpsons wasn't big. So we named everything and wrote everything in our whole play after the Simpsons, which was not the teacher would never have allowed if she'd known what the Simpsons was, and that's what right. we were doing. So I'm assuming somebody did submit that to the band director somewhere, and they just didn't catch her or know the Pen Fifteen Club. It's the person who approved it, you know, and maybe it's some inside joke. Yeah, you might be right. Like they didn't know, and the, like yeah. the band director really doesn't know the Pen Fifteen Club, but. Somebody, the person that designed the marching, like the drum major assistant, that's awesome, came up actually. with the, the, you know, like, hey, let's see if we can sneak this through. And Matt, he stuck it through. Matt, you're not a conspiracy theorist, but I think that yeah. your conspiracy well, might one, be I, true. I, yep. All right, guys, that's the damn news with Toby Morrell. I brought you damn the truth news. once again. I'm always bringing the truth, and I'm never going to bring you the lies. I'm only going to bring you the real, hardcore, damn no, thank truth. Thank you for it. All right. Well, you want to go ahead and get the sexual, <laughs> vulgar names out of your system first before I read the real ones? You know, I don't know if I have any today, actually. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell Joey, you. Joey, don't you like got... them, though, or what? No, I think they're really funny. I just don't like <laughs> when you cover up these names. Oh, no. What do you so mean, have... covering up names? We have Jose Gill. Philip McCrevis. <laughs> Tom Arrowwood. Al DePants, you. <laughs> Adrian Tajita. Sal Amy. <laughs> Justin and Martha Davenport. I'm not going to say one. That, that's all. That's good. Alexander Johansson. Male function. Jesus Muella. <laughs> Pat Fanny. Isn't that crazy? His first name is Jesus. That is Joey, really there's crazy. like millions of people named Jesus. I know. Yeah. It's just still, it never loses its flavor. That's the name of God. Stephen Pick. Morgan, you can handle. <laughs> Yahweh Smith. All right, now this is a real name. Emmanuel Excelsius. Sunset Tualo. See, y'all just messed up this person's name. Jesus Christe Smith. You messed up this person's name. Let me say it. Ole Andre Sunset Towley. That's their name. Isn't that crazy? Ole yeah. Andre Sunset Towley. That's their name. Tickle. All Adam, right. Adam Long, oh, Longay, Charlie Sandberg, Thomas Hickam, Josh Bryan, Matthew Walker, Kenneth Jackson, Brian Lynn Jr. Well, you and know we, what? Wait, we, hey, huge erection. 
Yeah. If you G. if you don't have if you people are getting sick of hearing these long named lists or are offended by Toby uh, saying the bad names, then I, I can only tell you one thing: stop signing up for the BC Club in such massive numbers. This is crazy. Yeah. There's just too many people. We uh, we need less people to sign up. Honestly, it's just overwhelming. More names than we can even read. So if you want to shut it down, please do yeah. not. Reverse yeah. psychology works, by the way. Yeah, it's totally. Time. So do uh, not sign up for the BC Club. Right. Do not get our ads. Don't get our episodes ad free. Don't do any of that. Just keep I'm your money. I'm not even going to tell them that the website is badchristian.com forward slash contribute. I'm not telling them that right. shit. Because obviously we have more people than we can handle or manage. Just stay away. We're all good in our little community. Yeah, definitely. We don't need y'all. That's right. Now they're going to come in droves. I think that'll work. Yeah, I love it. Think, Matt, Matt, brilliant hey, you idea. You stopped recording, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>